Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Uh, So today, we wanted to kind of expand on a topic that I think has come up many, many times over the course of Under the Radar. Uh, I think we're up to episode 115 now, and certainly one of the things and the topics that is, you know, we have touched on many times is the process and practicalities and logistics around being self-employed, about being an independent developer. Obviously, given the nature of the show, we're typically talking about being an independent iOS developer uh, in whatever form that might take for you. Uh, but in general, that that is something that we, we talk about a lot. And something that I realized, though, was that I don't think we'd ever really sort of ha- tried to put together a concise, clear description about what that transition or what that process uh, might look like. And um, if you're a listener of either Analog or ATP, um, other podcasts uh, involving uh, either our network or Marco, you will find that you have heard that uh, a good friend of ours, Casey Liss, is sort of in the early process of kind of... deciding if this is if this is something that he wants to pursue and it's come up there and i'll have links in the show notes to those discussions um because that got me thinking about like if i wanted to try and condense and con- a concise kind of version of like you're thinking about maybe going independent what would that look like what would be the sort of the starting point for that and i kept coming back to the importance of starting with a spreadsheet um, and maybe this is you know, in, in my life, uh, just personally, like I love like any, anything, in, I know something has gotten serious when I make a spreadsheet for it. Like if I'm planning a vacation, it's a fun idea until I make a spreadsheet. And once I've made that spreadsheet, then it's serious. Um, so that's just how I think. But I think for something like this, practically, um, the process of going through and turning the big, scary kind of woolly ideas that you might have in your mind around going independent about suddenly being responsible for so many other things uh, about your employment, about your income. Um, There's these big kind of amorphous things that are so easy to um, kind of blow out of proportion in your brain to they, they become these big impossible tasks that might get in the way of you deciding that you can or that it's possible or reasonable or safe or whatever to start. Um, and it's also just, it's an important thing to understand and to go into a process like this where, um, you are suddenly responsible for a lot more things with, you know, with big open eyes that understand the, the details and the process. And so, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of just expand upon that and to talk through all the different parts of what the transition to being self-employed might look like, um, the things that you would want to have in a spreadsheet. And when when I say a spreadsheet, like what I really mean is it's like you need to understand um, the base financials of going independent. Like what are your expenses going to be? What are your incomes going to be? Or really it's focusing on your your expenses so that you can understand what your income would have to be um, in order to have it be viable. And I mean, this is a, certainly not a unique concept. I'm reminded of, um, and I'll have a link, link in the show notes to this too, there is a discussion on the Super Top podcast where um, Padre Gunnarsheen, the makers of Castro, talk about how they're in their business they have, they call it the, the, the Doomsday Countdown. Um, which is basically they have a big spreadsheet where, you know, they have their expenses and they have their income and they put the two together and like at some point they'll run out of money or not. Um, and it's a really constructive way to think about it, but anyway, we're just, we're so that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack all the various parts and to kind of make, try and make 
uh, put some put some handles on what this process might look like so that um, it's hopefully not scary. Or at the very least, um, if you're scared, you're scared for the right reasons and you're not scared for made up reasons. <laughs> it's always good to be scared for the right reasons. <laughs> um, so first, I guess the pl- right place to start um, and I'll probably as for a fair disclaimer, um, this is going to be fairly U.S. focused, uh, just in the sense of some of the things that we're going to talk about only apply to uh, people in the United States. Um, I think the general lesson and the principle applies universally, but since A, we both live in the United States, and the majority of our audience uh, seems to live in the United States based on our analytics, it's probably not inappropriate, but just wanted to put that out there as sort of a vague caveat. Um but the first thing you kind of have to, I think, decide um, is a little bit around the formation of the company that you're going to do. And um, it's probably important to say that I think it is very important that you be a company, um, that you that's you, you in theory could just sort of start being self-employed um, as a sole proprietor, which is like the fancy term for like you're just a, a guy with a checking account who just who does work and gets paid, um, which is certainly something that you could do. But Forming a company, I think, is an important step in this process because, A, um, there's some vague sort of, in general, it's good from a liability perspective, is like the vague concept that a lawyer and accountant would talk about where, you know, you're separating your work you're doing from your own personal finances, um, exactly how the degree to which that liability shield would actually be useful or not is up for debate. But the reality is, at the very least, um, it has created some separation. Um, but I think more importantly, it makes a lot of things simpler down the road. Um, it makes things like your accounting much simpler. It helps kind of keep this very, it keeps your work and your personal life separate, which going independent, if you aren't thoughtful and intentional about, well, those two things will very easily blur together uh, and become problematic, both in terms of your time as well as in your finances. And so it's good to have it there as well as it's just like from a professionalism perspective, like it's nice that if you're going to have student consulting and someone's going to write you a check, uh, to pay you that they're writing that, you know, to a company rather than just to you, like you, to you, to your name, like that, it doesn't quite have that same professionalism. And it's also, it means you're serious about it. Um, so that's probably a good thing. And it's, you know, I remember when I was starting, I worried a lot about like, well, what's the perfect type of company that I could start? And it's like, should I be an LLC? Should I be a corporation? Um, like there's lots of questions you can have there. And I mean, you can talk to an accountant, a lawyer or someone who's like done this before, but I will clarify, you should talk to an accountant and a lawyer when making that decision. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, don't go, don't wrap yourself around the axle about that though. And like you get, get like you can change this down the road. Um, there's a lot of flexibility, even within if choice, like you can choose to be an LLC that's taxed as a corporation. Like there's lots of flexibility there, but like you just need to decide, get some good advice, make a decision. And then presumably you'll like file a bunch of paperwork. Uh, I know how it works in Virginia, where I live, you know, it's basically you fill in a form and send it to the state corporation commission. Um, for, if, if, at least for, uh, forming an LLC, you send a form to the IRS to get your, um, uh, employer identification number so that you don't use your social security number for everything. I had to fill in a, a form that I sent to my local county, um, to get a business, business license. Uh, but you just kind of go through this process and then now, so but you do all that yourself. I did. Yeah. Oh man. So this is <laughs> one lesson that I, that I might interject here is that, you know, for, for a very long time, I was the kind of person that I would do as much as I possibly could uh, of the administrative stuff myself. You know, I used to do my own taxes, uh, not so much once I started the business, you know, stuff, and that, that got pretty pretty complicated, you know. But 
for a long time, I did my own taxes. I, I would do all my own accounting, I, you know, all my own, you know, basic bookkeeping and stuff like that. Um, and, and I, and when it would come time to, you know, register something with the state or something like that, I would try to do the, all, a lot of that myself. And I was doing this from the perspective, kind of the big picture perspective of, treating my budget the, the same way I would if I was just an individual, not a, not like a business. And so it's like the idea of like, why would I give somebody like $300 to do something for me if I can just do it myself? You know, that's something that a lot of people don't, that's not, that, that isn't how they want to spend their money um, or, or, they, or they can't spend their money that way. And businesses don't, or at least businesses that are well run, don't usually uh, think so much that way. Um, businesses that are well run usually recognize like, okay, the, in the grand scheme of this business, $300 is not going to be a make or break amount of money. And it's better to, you know, spend this on the professional doing all this stuff, not only for you, but probably doing it better than you would have done or doing it correctly <laughs> where you might've missed something. Uh, and so, at some point early on in in my self-employment career this kind of this switch flipped in my head where i'm like oh actually i shouldn't be the one filling out these papers if i can have my accountant create an entire new llc registered properly in the state of new york and everything and i'll do all that for me for a small amount of money like just have the accountant do it you know they know what's best they know how to do it they have systems in place where it's way less work for them to do it than it is for me to do it and so you know let let the professional do things like this for you and then you don't have to worry if you either missed something or did something incorrectly or, or like checked the wrong box on something that might affect some major you know a- attribute of your business down the road or might have might create problems later if you do need to invoke the liability shield and things like that like it helps a lot to have professionals do that kind of stuff for you and it, it, i feel like you it, it it is a it is a difficult mindset for a lot of people to to get into of like being willing to spend money on professional services that you think you can do yourself or that you even could do yourself. Uh, but I do think if you're getting into self-employment, that is a transition that you almost certainly need to go through. And the earlier you go through it, I- I've never spoken to anybody who has gone through this transition of doing things themselves to paying others to do them for them. I've never talked to anybody who has said, you know, I wish I did that later. <laughs> it's always like, I wish I did that sooner. It's. I've never once heard a single case of the other of the other direction where people regretted hiring professionals for modest sums of money to do things for them that the professionals are really good at. So I would say when it comes to filing for a company or LLC or or corporation or whatever it is, um, there are almost always lawyers and or accountants who are nearby in every state who can do this for relatively small amounts of money. Just have them do it for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that is very good advice. And I think it is certainly a transition that I saw in myself that I I started off doing everything myself. And then now I'm in a different place now where I have, you know, professionals take care of a lot of this type of thing for me. Uh, The only slight caveat I will say is, I think it is important to understand what it is um, your accountant or your lawyer is doing and why they're doing it. Because, um, which is part of honestly like why at the beginning there was the financial part of it a little bit but also just I wanted to make sure that I really understood that you know when I formed an LLC uh, company in the state of Virginia like sort of what that meant um, and understood why I was doing that and the the pros and the cons um, just to make sure that you're able to take advantage a of all of the advantages of whatever the you know say like in this case the 
the type of company you have will have certain benefits to it. It will also have some drawbacks and to understand what those are ahead of time. And then similarly, you know, with a lot, this is a more general point, but, you know, I always try when my accountant is telling me about something or, you know, when I'm going through my taxes, uh, my annual taxes with my accountant, like I want to make sure that I understand um, what they're doing you know, not to the degree that they do, obviously, like this is the advantage of it being a professional is that somebody who, you know, they are give they, they can tell you which of the, you know, the dozens of opportunities or, or things that you could do or not do, um, you should do. But like once they whittle that down to here's one thing that I think you need to take, you know, you should do or you should structure yourself this way for me to make sure that I understand that because there isn't someone else like ultimately you're you are going to be responsible for these choices you're going to be the one who's going to be signing the paperwork and being respond you know being ultimately held accountable for those choices and so making sure that you understand what you're doing so it isn't like oh i hired an accountant they took care of everything i don't have to think about it there's a little bit of that like you can hopefully trust that they're giving you good advice um but you want to make sure that you understand what you're getting into um and understand you know with the the process enough. Like you don't need to go to the degree that I was doing back then when I was actually physically filling in the paperwork. But um, when they send you paperwork to sign, you know, read it, make sure you understand it. Um, And if you have questions, ask questions like they're a professional. It's, you know, it's their job to make sure that you're, you're understanding what it is that they're, they're encouraging and advising you to do. We're sponsored this week by FreshBooks. This is very relevant, actually to all the freelancers out there. You know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers that is ridiculously easy to use. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. The new FreshBooks Notification Center is like your personal assistant. You always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with pronto. And FreshBooks does so many convenient things. So for instance, one of the things they do is they automate late payment email reminders. So you don't have to spend so much time chasing down payments. You can really focus on your business and what you need to do for it. If you're listening to this and you are not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash radar and enter under the radar in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show. The next place that probably makes sense to start, so you open up your spreadsheet, you're going to start off working out like, okay, I've decided what company I'm going to be. Um, now I'm going to start putting together a list of the expenses. The Probably the best expense to start with is to understand what t- the taxes that you're going to have to pay are, because almost certainly... Um, that is going to be your single largest expense um, for you know for, for any business. And one thing that's kind of funny about being self-employed is now suddenly you are responsible for the entire uh, all of your taxes in terms of the payment of them. You know, previously maybe they were taken out with payroll withholding or something like that. Now you have to decide. Um, how you're going to pay them? Are you going to do quarterly estimated taxes? Are you going to run payroll for your company and you know do withholding that way? Um, but whatever you do, suddenly you are responsible uh, for your taxes in a very different way, um, and you're going to have to determine you know what taxes you need to pay and just account for the expense of them and be aware that the taxes you're going to pay are very different. Um, and probably a bit higher than what you're paying currently, or at least what you think you're paying uh, currently, because you know you're going to sort of see the whole picture. And 
a lot of this will depend again on the type of company you form. If you're, you know, a pass through entity is like the big fancy term for if you're business income is being taxed as an individual, like it passes through the company and then you would pay taxes there or you can pay your taxes inside of the company. And then uh, your company, you know, pays you a salary and dividend or profit income. Uh, like there's all kinds of things there. But ultimately, you need to work out in your spreadsheet what per- you know what percentage of your income is going to go to taxes and what taxes those are going to be. Um, you'll have basic taxes. You're just like general income tax. You'll probably have either self-employment tax or payroll taxes, which are your social security um, and those types of taxes, which currently like if you look at if you work work at a a regular nine to five job and you get a paycheck you'll notice that you probably are paying something like seven and a half percent into i think it's called fica is what it usually comes up or listed at it's like the social security and medicare and uh, all that type of taxes um when you're self-employed you have to pay essentially twice that amount um currently your employer is paying the other half but if you're the employer then suddenly that's you so you're playing both sides of that um, you'll have to pay your state taxes, maybe some county taxes, um, and you just need to work out what all these are. Uh, an accountant is, again, the best person to talk to about working out what these are. Um, but you're going to need to work out how much this is because it's going to be different and it's going to be like you know a very substantial, probably you know a third to a half of your income is going to go to a tax of some kind. So you better make sure you understand what these are going to be. Exactly. And, and this is one area where my philosophy has always been to really conservatively set it like or really aggressively set aside money for taxes basically and and really like just estimate really high on it so one like you know you you said a third to half i will frequently just assume that half of the money that comes in is not mine even though my tax rate is not 50 percent, but you know it might be 30 to 40 percent for a lot of people depending on what state you live in and what your income bracket is and everything so like it's really be be very uh aggressive about setting aside money for taxes um, until you really know what that number is which you probably won't have a great idea for it until you've been doing it for a year and even then it might change if you make a lot more or a lot less money the next year so really like you know be be very conservative with like <laughs> with how much money you you uh you assume is yours out of your income yeah, and it's also probably a, it, similarly, it's being very careful about understanding that you're going to hold on to a lot of your taxes um, for longer than you're like previously that you never saw that money. It just disappeared into into your paycheck uh, or before you got your paycheck. But now you're going to have like say you know if you get it you get a check from a consulting client, um, some amount of that is going to go to taxes, but you're going to hold on to that for potentially up to like three months. Um, and you need to make sure that you are being thoughtful about that so you don't find yourself at the end of those three months um, with a big liability that you can't cover. Um, so just as general advice, don't play fast and loose with those liabilities in terms of understanding that you're going to have this money that sort of feels like it's yours, but it isn't really yours, um, and you're now responsible for making sure that when the time comes you know, to pay the tax man, the you have the money to pay the tax man and that you haven't, um, you know, sort of spent that money or forgotten that you're going to have to pay him down the road. One trick you can do for this that I learned early on, um, especially when you're new to it and you're kind of getting the hang of how this all works, uh, a really good thing you can do. There is nothing saying that you can't pay more in estimated taxes than you need to or that you can't pay more often than you need to. 
So one thing I would do when I was starting out, I was mainly starting out with Instapaper, and this was actually fairly easy because all the income was coming from Apple at the beginning. So every month, I would get one giant deposit from Apple, and then I would literally monthly pay estimated state and federal tax. And not based on like a very you know, carefully calculated estimate. I think I was just, I looked up like whatever the top tax bracket was, like I think it was like 38.5% or something like that for federal and New York state was something like 7% or something like that. And so I was, I would literally just every time I got paid by Apple, I would submit, you know, monthly estimated tax payments for 38.5% to federal government and 7% to New York state. And sure at the end of the year, I, I would have overpaid, but not by that much. And it was, and then, you know, your end of the year payment, consider it a bonus that you don't have to make, you know, some of that payment depending on what your accountant tells you. And so this, you know, accountants used to tell you like, oh, you should never pay more than you have to or even earlier than you have to because you're giving the IRS a fr- an income free loan. You know, why, why, why don't you keep it and get the interest? And that made sense back when interest rates mattered. But these days, the interest rates are so low on like checking and savings accounts and things that there's not a lot most people can do with that money in the meantime anyway. That isn't a huge risk that would actually get them more, you know, any kind of meaningful return. You're saving maybe, you know, individual dollars at the end of the year. Like you're not saving a lot of money. So when you are getting the hang of this, if you're freaked out about taxes, which you probably should be before you know what they are, (laughs) then, then actually making like... Every month, whatever you made that month, set, like giving a fixed and fairly aggressive percentage in an estimated payment to federal and state governments is not a bad thing to do. It's actually I, I find it very helpful because then I knew when the money came in, I gave this to federal, this to state, and the rest was pretty much mine. Like I, I, I knew how much was mine, and it was a pretty good estimate. Yeah, I mean, probably even more importantly, is the last thing you want in the area of taxes are surprises. Yeah. Uh, or at least surprises that are expensive. Yeah, w- surprises in one direction. Yeah, it's like it's great to be surprised at the end of the year. It's like, hey, here's you know, here's four, four, five thousand dollars that you're getting back as a as a rebate. Like, great. Like, that's a good surprise. The surprise, the other direction, uh, can be very problematic. And so, yeah, it's like I don't, I didn't do quite as aggressive of a plan as you did, but I definitely. S- at the very least for your spreadsheet purposes make sure you're being you're not trying to be like best case or optimistic or whimsical about your tax rates like be overly conservative there work out what they're going like what the worst case is or what the worst case would look like and then you know plan accordingly and either take that money and put it into a separate account prepay it ahead of time um, however you're going to account for it but make sure that you're being conservative about it enough that um, you're not going to get caught out at the end because that sounds like a very very bad situation to find yourself in exactly um all right so there's going to be a variety of things that we're going to uh, talk to and i think it'll, it'll end up probably being two episodes um but uh before we get into some of the other expenses you may have uh it probably makes sense to just also talk to a little bit about um the in the way income will likely work so that you can kind of as you kind of are putting together these expenses and these counterpoints um, and even just from a t- for the purposes of your taxes you need to a little bit understand what your income is going to be uh to know what bracket might make sense and, and so on um so the income you get is will depend a lot on the kind of work you do if for the purposes of this if you're going to be a independent ios developer of some form that is almost certainly going to start off involving some amount of consulting 
And maybe, you know, if I think we would both recommend that trying to diversify that into product income as well would make a lot of sense. But initially, it's likely going to be largely um, consulting based where you're doing, you know, work for hire type of development. And that kind of work is probably first thing to say is that kind of work is has an income profile that is incredibly bursty, that it is so inconsistent. Like you will have one month where you, you know, one or two months of the year will account for 80% of your income and you'll have go potentially go for stretches of, you know, two or three months where you have zero income, um, which I think is an, is mostly is something to keep in mind. Um, a, if, if that's going to freak you out and drive you crazy, then like, this is this is going to end up being very problematic for you because you just kind of have to get used to the fact that um, your income doesn't you know isn't a direct deposited into your bank account um, every two weeks. Um, though you can actually, as a side note, one thing that I, I I will encourage you to do is to think about if that's if you like that or if um, you sort of from a disciplined perspective it appeals to you. You can still do that. You can just pay yourself um, on a regular basis. This is something that I. Um, switched over to fairly early on in the process where, you know, my business would pay me on a regular basis. And I just it meant that on a personal level, I could kind of continue to budget and manage my finances like I used to when I had a regular job. Um, and my business would, you know, I it would just sort of truck along as normal. And it would as long as my income sort of in aggregate had exceeded, you know, my payroll that I was paying out over time, it was fine. And I found that to be really helpful. So just keep that in mind. But either way, on the, you know, on the business side, your income is going to be fairly bursty. And honestly, even if you have product based income, it's still going to be fairly uneven, if not more so. Yeah. I mean, you have like, you know, paid upgrade cycles and things like that's, it's incredibly, you know, up and down constantly. Oh, sure. I mean, it's gotten a little bit less to this now, but there was certainly periods early in the App Store where um, it was very seasonal, too, where like I would make, um, you know, a 10 or 15% of my revenue in the two or three days around Christmas every year. And so like whatever, whenever that gets paid to me, which is probably like in February, which is also important to remember that your income is delayed by at least um, two or three months. Uh, like you could be very uneven. So you're just going to have to keep that in mind and understand probably too that you're initially going to need probably some amount of savings uh, to sort of in, invest into your business either it doesn't not, not, not necessarily like directly but in terms of the your initial income is not going to be like you start working and then two weeks later you get your first income it's probably going to be this process where you may have to go for a couple of months uh, before you have income once you are going for a couple of months it tends to even out uh, is something that i will say that you know once you you start invoicing clients for things even though those clients may be paying you later than the work was done, eventually it starts to even out uh, um, and it kind of works out. But it's certainly something that you're going to have to work out for yourself. Like how much runway do you need in terms of, you know, how many months of expenses do you want to be able to cover and what level of income is that going to require? Because if that level, if that income is a pretty big number, um, you know, if you're, going to need to have some pretty big clients to, to make that happen or be incredibly successful with your products right out the bat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just basically plan again, this is, this is an area where it also helps to, to like, you know, kind of plan for the worst and like definitely plan for making 
nothing for the first few months. Uh, if you do, that's a bonus. That's great. But you know, you probably, you probably won't or, you know, cause even with consulting, you, know, you mentioned like there's an invoicing delay and that varies hugely between different clients. And there, there's no rhyme or reason between like whether they're big or small, you know, rich or poor, like it, the, people pay it vastly different rates um they'll give you every excuse in the book why they have to pay so slowly uh but but the fact is they can pay as quickly as they want and most companies don't need to pay quickly so they don't um so you like you might actually be doing work and getting paid for it two to nine months later (laughs) it could be really bad again if you use our sponsor FreshBooks, they can make it easier on you uh but you're still at the whim of when a company will actually pay you and so like trying to get people to pay invoices is a pretty big part of the job which is why we have companies like FreshBooks trying to make it easy on people yeah and it's probably also fair to say this is another area where diversifying your income can help a lot with that um just in the sense of if you're it's very problematic or at least dangerous i suppose if you were if your entire business is based on one consulting client paying you um like that is just a very precarious situation that you hope that everything goes great but for things you know even if everybody's entirely above board and doing doing the right thing you know things outside of your control may come come into play like that business may just go out of business and you know not for anything that you did or they did it's just like the market turned down or whatever and suddenly you never get paid for that six months of work um if you have a diversified income source like that would still be awful and not great um, but at least if you have different things and so if you can find other ways to get income that you'll have you know you maybe have you have affiliate income from links to your apps in the app store or to other apps or you have a podcast that has sponsorships um, or you have you know probably like we've said product and consulting but the more you can diversify your income um, the more even it will be the more consistent it will be um, and the less risky uh, it'll be as a result all right tune in next week for the second half of this discussion uh, where we talk about a lot of the expenses and especially the big one health insurance yeah thanks for listening everybody yeah right <laughs> thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you then bye